I don't remember much because <laughs> that's almost 15 years ago now. But, but now you're really, really turning my heart screws here. You know, contemplated, you know, stopping wrestling because I was so frustrated because I wanted to do so much better than what I was doing. Oh, that is a tough one. That one is a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even really think about that match that much. I, I try not to. You know, I was just like, oh, here we go again. You know, my, my body is, is, uh, is getting out on me. And mentally, I was, I was in a sort of a dark place. I don't know if I ever regained my focus in my competitive years again after that. Up to the point where I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get there. You know, I couldn't find a rhythm in a tournament. My first two years, I, I had uh, a lot of injury. And I think that mentally led to a lot of doubt. It's true. It's like if I could do it again, I, I wouldn't have done it any different. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's just how the, how things play out. I'm not sure if I should be honored to be on that list or not. Welcome to episode seven of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast for the second week in a row. I have a new intro. I really like this one. The title I have for it in my files is Busting Balls, because if you're just listening to the clips themselves, you might think I'm a real ball buster with my questions. I think I'm a nice guy, but sometimes they're tough ones that need to be brought up. But eh, what can you do? Let me know if you like this intro or the one from last week on the Conrad Poles episode, or no intro at all. You can do that on Twitter at D1CW for my personal account or at Sudden History for the show itself. As always, Sudden History can be found on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. While you're at Matt Talk Online, how about you purchase a copy of the 2016 NCAA Division I Wrestling Championship Preview Guide. Jason has jam-packed this thing again. I like to think of myself as the biggest of the wrestling geeks out there, but there was still a ton of stuff in last year's guide that made me say, wow, wish I would have thought of that. My plane ride out to St. Louis went by in a flash of that bad boy. I know you have a group of friends or family members that always meet up at nationals. Wouldn't you like to be that guy who sees an upset and is able to say just off the top of your head, well, that's the first All-American that school's had since 1998. That stuff's priceless, and it's in there. So check it out, the 2016 NCAA Division I Championship Preview Guide. Anyhow, getting down to business, it's officially the postseason, and I thought this discussion would be appropriate for today. All right, all right, all right. I've got a very special show for you today. Not a very special sudden history. Not the type of commercial you'd see for an old sitcom or something like that. I'm not falling into a coma or having my long-lost evil twin brother come back. Nothing like that. What's special today is that I'm talking about the biggest and the baddest collection of talent into one collegiate weight class. Of course, I'm talking about the 149-pound weight class at the 2008 NCAA Championships. This is a topic I've heard discussed from time to time. I thought I'd really dig deep into it and find out just how impressive it was. So I may not be breaking any new ground when I claim that it's the best weight class of all time. And Frankly, I can't prove it. I don't know the ins and outs of all the brackets from the 1950s or even the 1970s. However, I dare you to find a better group of wrestlers. In my opinion, this weight class has become iconic not just because of the numbers and the achievements of its competitors, but because of the wrestlers themselves. They are legendary, larger-than-life figures, some of the best and most exciting 
ever to put on a singlet and compete at the collegiate level. In this breakdown, you're going to be reminded of some facts you probably have already heard, but maybe forgotten, but also an in-depth analysis of just how great this collection of athletes was from the champion all the way down to some guys who were eliminated in the first round of the Wrestlebacks. So first things first, not only was this a monster bracket in terms of its competitors, it was also just a huge bracket. I'm talking about a 37-man bracket. The 2008 season was the last under the old qualifying system, thank God. It was replaced by the current 33-man bracket format. In that old format, conferences chose their wild cards after their respective tournaments. So if a conference had six wild cards to give out and felt like they needed to give three to 149 and it was within the conference bylaws, so be it. This led to some large brackets and on the other hand, there were some brackets that featured less than the standard 32-man bracket. Prior to 2008, you have to go back to 2002 to find the last 37-man bracket. That occurred at 174 pounds. The tournament won by past Sudden History guest Greg Jones. Coincidentally, both brackets featured a wrestler named Ryan Lang. Of course, it wasn't the same one. The one in 2002 spelled his name with an E and wrestled for Purdue. However, they both were from Ohio. This weight class itself was kind of the perfect storm in terms of construction. Only three of the 149-pound All-Americans from 2007 returned to the weight class. One graduated. That was Tyler Turner of Wisconsin. Two moved up to 157. Gregor Gillespie of Edinburgh, Jordan Lean of Cornell, another to 165, that was Matt Coughlin of Indiana. However, the 149-pound class in 2008 received an incredible influx of existing collegiate talent. Ryan Ling, Don Fish, and Darian Caldwell all moved up from 141. Bubba Jenkins moved down from 147 and Brent Metcalf was able to compete for the first time. This led to a great number of highly anticipated matches for fans in the regular season as well as the postseason. Now to the All-Americans themselves. The NCAA champion was Brent Metcalf of Iowa. Again, you have to remember this was Metcalf's first season competing for Iowa. He had to sit out the 2006-2007 season after transferring from Virginia Tech. So this was Brent taking the country by storm and leading Iowa to the first of three consecutive NCAA championships because of his constant attacking style, a no-nonsense attitude, and being the leader of a Hawkeye resurgence, he had already carved his name into a deep lore of Iowa wrestling. The NCAA runner-up from Penn State, it was Bubba Jenkins. And let's be real, has there ever been, well not ever, but at least in the past decade, has there been a more polarizing figure in college wrestling? Either you loved him or you hated him. There wasn't much middle ground with Bubba. Me personally, I'm a lifelong Virginia resident. I got to see Bubba wrestle since middle school, so I was always a fan. Again, this was Bubba's first year of competing at the correct weight class. He wrestled the prior season as a true freshman up at 157 pounds for Penn State after Nathan Galloway left the team. 
Bubba still made the NCAA championships, but he took his lumps in the process. Third place was Jordan Burroughs from Nebraska. This isn't necessarily the Jordan Burroughs we know today. However, it was a huge improvement from his freshman season where he went 1-2 and two at Nationals. Albeit, there are a couple upsets and he ended up losing to the top two seeds within three rounds. He went from not placing at Nationals to defeating the, defeating the returning NCAA runner-up for third place. And while it wasn't the Olympic champion JB, this season was a huge step towards getting to be that guy. And in fourth place, from Michigan, Josh Torella. Josh Torella was actually the only senior out of the All-Americans this season. He was the guy who started the season ranked number one at this weight class. He was very consistent, unspectacular, which was different from many of his peers at the weight class. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. He just, uh, you know, was very solid. Fifth place was Darian Caldwell from NC State. I had mentioned Caldwell moved up to 149 after spending his true freshman season at 141. His freshman year was kind of unnoticed by most people until the NCAA quarters where he had that tremendous match with Ryan Lang. Um, I'm not going to say it too many times, but please pause this right now. Go to YouTube, watch that match, even if you've seen it 50 times, it's worth another viewing. Okay, now that you're back with me, in the 2008 season, Caldwell became a little more fine-tuned, was a finish, more of a finished product. As a freshman, he was that same high-flying guy that we all remember, but he was a little more reckless and lost a few matches that he probably should have won. Sixth place was J.P. O'Connor from Harvard. J.P. O'Connor was a guy who earned All-American honors the previous season as a true freshman, and... I guess I say true freshman is a habit, but being a Harvard guy, he didn't have the red shirt option available. JP actually injured his knee in the quarterfinals against Bubba, and it was so severe that he thought he would be withdrawing from the tournament after he gutted out a win in the round of 12. He was able to get it together for a match, beat Dustin Slater before defaulting to sixth place. And who I mentioned before, Dustin Slater, seventh place from Minnesota. This was the season where the injuries really started to take a toll on him as the NCAA champion in 2006 with a long winning streak through pretty much all the 2007 season. He was a guy that really had an aura of an invincibility around him, at least at that point in time. He was a rival of Brent Metcalf in high school, and their collegiate matchups this season were some of the most highly anticipated in years. And it was a rivalry, don't get it twisted. Brent Metcalf reminded me that his late brother, Chase, had wrestled Dustin's older brother, CP, so it ran pretty deep. At least on Metcalf's part, it did. Eighth place was Lance Palmer of Ohio State. I spoke at length about Palmer in the second Sudden History episode when he was included in the list of best non-NCAA champions of the 2000s, he actually has an achievement, which I'll mention shortly, which separates him from the rest of the competitors at this weight. Okay, so the big stat that you guys probably already know, you're, you're big boys and girls, you, you can figure this out. There were six eventual or prior NCAA champions at this weight class who combined to win 
eight NCAA titles. They are two-time champions Brent Metcalf and Jordan Burroughs, Bubba Jenkins and Darian Caldwell, J.P. O'Connor, and Dustin Schlater. As I mentioned before, Dustin Schlater was previously an NCAA champion in 2006. Altogether, in the weight class, there were 13 wrestlers who achieved All-American honors at some point in their career, 31 different times. And, as I alluded to just a moment ago, the, surprisingly, the only four-time All-American in this weight class was Lance Palmer. The three-time All-Americans are Brent Metcalf, Jordan Burroughs, Josh Torella, J.P. O'Connor, Dustin Schlater. Two-time All-Americans, Bubba Jenkins, Darian Caldwell, Boise State's Adam Hall, the Naval Academy's Bryce Sidoris, and Northwestern's Ryan Lang. Ryan Lang has an interesting story. I'm just throwing it out there. I'd love to have him on the show at some point. Hopefully I'll do that. Getting back on track. The one-time All-Americans, Don Fish of Ryder, and Jake Pataxel of Purdue. Guys who entered the tournament as returning All-Americans were Dustin Schlater, Lance Palmer, Josh Torella, J.P. O'Connor, Ryan Lang, and Don Fish. Now looking at the bracket, each of the NCAA quarterfinalists made it to the NCAA Finals at least one time in their careers. This bracket had five wrestlers who were NCAA semifinalists from the previous season, 2007. That includes Ryan Lane and Don Fish, who met at 141 pounds in a match that was dangerously close to going to Fish. Also, you had Josh Terrell and Lance Palmer, who met at 149 pounds, and then Dustin Schlater, who was at 149. Five wrestlers in this weight class combined to win 10 Big Ten titles, no correction, seven Big Ten titles at some point in their careers. They are Dustin Schlater, who had two 2006 and 2007. Brent Metcalf, he had two 2008 and 2009. Then you go back to Josh Chirella, 2005, Ryan Lang in 2007, and Lance Palmer in 2010. Speaking of conference champions, Darian Caldwell was a four-time ACC champ. Some of you may want to knock the ACC. In the time since Caldwell's competed, Virginia Tech's Devin Carter is the only other four-time ACC champ. Seven wrestlers were number one seeds at the NCAAs a total of ten times in their careers. They are Adam Hall, at 157 pounds in 2011. You might remember this was the weight class that featured Bubba Jenkins pinning David Taylor in the NCAA Finals. It also had Steve Fittery and a freshman Derek St. John, so that was a pretty tough bracket itself. Lance Palmer was the top seed at 149 pounds in 2010. Also in 2010, J.P. O'Connor was the top seed at 157. Dustin Schlater was two times the top seed in 2006 and 2007. Brent Metcalf was the top seed at 149 this season, as well as 2009. Jordan Burroughs 
two times the top seed in 2009 at 157, 2011, 165. And finally, Ryan Lang was a top seed at 141 in 2007. Breaking down the competitors by their years, there was 10 seniors, there were 7 juniors, 13 sophomores, and 7 freshmen. Now, I'm not sure how to interpret this next stat. Only two wrestlers at this weight class ever completed undefeated seasons. They were Jordan Burroughs, who did it twice, 2009 and 2011, and J.P. O'Connor in 2010. Uh, I guess you could say that all these guys tended to be in the same weight classes and knocked off each other. This weight class featured two Hodge Trophy winners, Brent Metcalf, who won it this season, 2008, and Jordan Burroughs, who won it a couple years later in 2011. Speaking of Metcalf Burroughs, the two met in the semis with Metcalf winning 8-4. It ended up being the last official loss of Jordan Burroughs' collegiate career. The other semi was a classic barn burner between Bubba Jenkins and Darian Caldwell. Another key match prior to the semis, the quarterfinal between Dustin Schlater and Darian Caldwell. I spoke to Caldwell about this match. Surprisingly to some people, in his opinion, this was his greatest match ever. Not the finals win over Metcalf. There may have been more at stake, and it may have been more memorable, but if you don't remember it, this is a match I have posted on the D1CW Video Vault on YouTube. Check it out. This was a typical match you'd expect Schlater to win. It was tactical, defensive, had tough riding. However, it was Caldwell who did all of those things. To me, it showed how complete he could be. You know, he was known for the exciting high-flying moves, but he was able to beat Dustin Schlater at his own game. So all four of the 149 semifinalists in 2009 competed at this weight class. Metcalf ended up defeating Palmer 6-2, Caldwell majored to Sidoris 13-2. Here's a couple of seeded wrestlers who have not been mentioned previously. The 10th seed, Scott Irvin of Appalachian State. He was a two-time SOCON champ. Number 12 seed, Morgan Atkinson, Cal State Furlington. He was a two-time Pac-10 champ. The round of 12 match losers were Adam Hall, who lost 3-1 to to O'Connor, Jake Bataxel, who lost 4-1 to to Schlater, Brandon Carter of Central Michigan, who lost 11-3 to to Lance Palmer, and Will Rowe of Oklahoma, who lost 7-6 to Josh Chirella. Additionally, Iowa State's Mitch Mueller finished in the round of 12 each of the following two seasons. Now, for some people who may not have been big fans in 2008, one wrestler that may be forgotten from this weight class is Boston University's Mike Roberts. He had the tournament of a lifetime at the Southern Scuffle that season, pinning Darian Caldwell, who's the number two seed in the second round. Then he beat Dustin Schlater in the finals. Additionally, he also picked up a win over Lock Haven National Qualifier Matt Fittery. Roberts was still not able to win the CAA, falling to Don Fish. Therefore, he was unseated, 
Drew Caldwell in the first round and was pinned this time around. A what-might-have-been type of guy for this weight class is Maryland's Eric Medina. Medina was a true freshman top 10 overall recruit from Blair Academy. This ended up being his only season competing at the D1 level. He finished the year with a 21-13 record and registered wins over the then number 5 Scott Irvin of App State. He majored him 11-2 and then pinned the then number 14 Don Fish during the regular season. Medina went 1-2 at this tournament with three more years left. Who knows what he could have done. Also in the weight class, funky Matt Cathell. He earned his first trip to nationals with a title in the East region. He ended up being the last NCAA qualifier for Delaware State when they dropped their program following the 2009 season. On the other end of the spectrum, from eliminating a program, North Dakota State's Ryan Adams made his second trip to the big show. A year earlier, he was one of three Bison wrestlers, Eric Hoffman and Jacob Bryce being the others, who competed at Nationals in their first season after their transition into becoming a D1 program. And now here's a list of four-time NCAA qualifiers that have not been previously mentioned that competed at this weight class. Kirk Kinzer of Indiana, he was famous for his lefty headlock. Cesar Grajales of Penn, he was the EIWA champion this season. He beat J.P. O'Connor in the finals. The EWL champion was Daryl Cacuzzo of Edinburgh. He later transferred to Rutgers. Two-time EWL runner-up David Hargy of West Virginia. Now looking at the high school achievements of wrestlers from this weight class, Four NHSCA senior national champions just from the 2006 season alone were competing at this weight class. They were the 135-pound champion Jordan Burroughs, 140-pound champion Lance Palmer, 145-pound champion Bubba Jenkins, 152-pound champion Adam Hall. Additionally, Dustin Schlater was an NHSCA champion in 2005, Ryan Lang in 2003. Now, the crown jewel of high school age wrestling is a title in junior national freestyle. Here are the guys who won those titles in Fargo. Brent Metcalf did three times Dustin Schlater, as well as Adam Hall and Ryan Lang. A guy you may forget about was Mitch Mueller from Iowa, who wrestled for Iowa State. Six wrestlers represented Team USA at the Dapper Dan Invitational from this weight class. They were Ryan Lang in 2003, Trevor Chin of Lehigh in 2004, Brent Metcalf and Dustin Schlater 2005, and J.P. O'Connor and Darian Caldwell 2006. At this time, correction, at that time, there were only 15 four-time Ohio State champions. If you want to be technical, there were 16 because Tony Jameson had just won a championship, his fourth, a few weeks beforehand, but he had not even been into college yet. So let's say three of those 15 four-time champions were in this weight class, Ryan Lang, Dustin Schlater, and Lance Palmer. Now looking at some international credentials from the wrestlers at this weight class, 
Of course, Jordan Burroughs, four-time world Olympic champion in freestyle and counting, possibly the best pound-for-pound wrestler in the world at this time. He's put himself in the argument for best U.S.-born wrestler ever. Brent Metcalf, he has been the U.S. freestyle representative at the world championships three times. Dustin Schlater was also the U.S. freestyle representative at the world championships one time. And finally, Bryce Sidoris has been the U.S. Greco-Roman representative at the world championships two times. So there you have it. That is the 2008 149-pound weight class in all of its glory. I hope you enjoyed that breakdown of the 2008 149-pound weight class. As always, I'm Earl Smith. I thank you for tuning into Sudden History, and I will let Greg Jones take us out. How the hell do I get off this stage?